Oh, what a super... Whoops. So sorry. <laughs> what a super introduction. I just am uh, impressed with the technology that you guys are able to pull off here. It's just such a blessing to come into a place where you just feel like, wow, you're so excited to be here. It's just an amazing thing. So I thank you for welcoming, welcoming me here. For those of you that might be listening to this message online, I'm gonna, there are a few videos that are, I feel, for me, like inspiring that I'm going to be showing during, uh, during my message that if you would like to see those videos, please contact exponentialchurch.tv and I'm sure they'll give you access to those videos so that you could um, be inspired by them. I want you to understand that as I speak before you, I'm not only speaking to you, I'm speaking to me. I'm a sinner just like you, you know? And I'm finding that as my life uh, tends to, at this time in my life, be kind of like a mess. Life is messy, right? And it seems to be a mess right now. But what I'm finding that is that God uses messy people. And sometimes he uses them in ways that kind of stun you. And so as I'm speaking to you, I will actually be speaking to myself. So just to understand that sometimes I will weep. Sometimes I might be giggling under myself. But actually, it's the Lord speaking through me. So I'm going to trust that he's going to say what he wants to say through these lips. Um, the framework for today is absolutely love. Uh, God's very nature is love. God is love. And uh, so a lot of times, I think we forget that biggest piece of him is that he is loving and he is kind, even when times are messy, even when your life is messy. He is still loving and he is still kind. And the hugest thing that I want you to understand today is the good news, as Bill was praying about, the good news. And that good news is that Jesus Christ came for you, the messy person, the messy sinner. He came for you while you were in your sin and while you were still in your sin. And he came for you. And the good news is that he loved you so much. His very heart is generosity, that he gave. He gave his son fully, freely, because he loved you, a sinner. And you have to understand that he loves you so much no matter what you do, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're going to do, his very nature is love, and he loves you very deeply. No greater love has this that he would, someone would lay down their life for their friends, and he considers you his friend. Each and every one of us has great value in the kingdom of God. You are greatly loved. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. In your uh, programs, you have a, uh, a resource where there are some lines that you can fill in. And the first thing that I'm going to tell you is this, that I, I want you to fill this in. I am God's greatest resource to love others as Jesus did. I am God's greatest resource to love others as Jesus did. I'm going to show you this picture that I, I took a picture of. Who, who in here is like has their driver's permit, permit or has just learned to drive? Is anybody in here like around that 16-year mark? Don't ever do this. My mother would kill me if she saw, knew that I did this. I did this while I was driving. I took this picture, but I had to have it. <clears throat> have any of you ever seen this truck? On, oh, you can, you can hardly see it. What it says is, our most valuable resource sits 63 feet ahead. This truck is by a company called Crete or Schaefer, and they have the audacity to say that their company's greatest resource is the driver of the truck. Not the product in the bed. They feel that their greatest resource is the driver, the person in that truck. Now, there are certain conditions for that driver, right? He's got to show up on time. He's got to deliver the load whenever it's supposed to be delivered and where it's supposed to be delivered to. He has to work a certain amount of hours. He shouldn't steal. Those kinds of conditions are on that driver. 
being considered a great resource. However, God's condition on your life is that you accept Jesus as his son, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. The greatest love. And you are his resource here on earth. God's, God considers you his greatest resource. A free gift of grace. We don't understand that. I mean, look how messy I am. Yet, he considers me a good resource, his greatest resource. He considers you his greatest resource here on earth. You are his gift. Let's watch this video about being his gift. that's so cool uh you know that it can have this ripple effect i don't know i saw online this morning on facebook there was this little article about um someone at, went up to an atm and they went to the atm and here in the cash coming out drawer was five hundred dollars and this person w- you know didn't feel real good about that you know and they went into the bank and they went to the teller and the teller said hey look and, and said to the teller hey this was sticking out of the the, somebody meant to take this money, and, and, and what do I do with it? Well, the teller's going, whoa, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. So she had to call the manager over. I'm not going to touch it, you know, kind of thing. And the, and the, the person said to the, uh, the banker, hey, why don't you check to see who was the last person on the, on the, on the thing? And it's probably their money. 
right? So they did. They contacted the person whose who's $500 this was. And then this woman who had left her phone number, um, she got patched into a phone call with the person who had lost the $500. And it was a, 92, a 90-some-year-old woman. And this 90-so-year-old woman said, um, yeah, that 480 of that was for my rent, and I only had 20 more dollars to live on for the rest of the month. So here's what happened with that. The woman who knew that then called the manager back and said, hey, take $100 out of my account and put it in hers. The other tellers in that, in that bank heard that, and they said, put money in that woman's account, out of my account. That's what happens. It becomes contagious. It becomes this ripple effect of generosity because someone hears about something good that somebody did for somebody else. You might be the start of that. That might be your role. Something very small. It doesn't even have to be money. It just might be a kindness to someone. It's really not about money. It's really all about the heart. Really all about the heart. On your outline, the next, the next thing that I'd like you to fill in is, I am of great value and worth to God. You are a gift. I am of great value and worth to God. You have a purpose, each one of us. It's not just Gilbert. It's not just Bill. It's not just those people that sing on the worship team. You, you have a purpose, a great purpose, to impact the world for kindness, for goodness, for love. You know, just going to the grocery store and smiling at somebody for Pete's sake is a, is a rarity these days. Letting someone out from a yield where they're stuck and not giving them the finger is absolutely a kindness these days, right? Right. It's so true. You are a standout if you are just loving and kind. But you, as a person, have great value and worth to God. You are a gift. Even when you don't feel like it or you struggle to believe it or you struggle to show it, you are a gift with a purpose. You are created to be a blessing to others. So where is God speaking to you personally? Where is he speaking to you personally? It might be something small. It might be something small, just not having road rage. Start there. Whatever he's telling you, wherever he's speaking to you, that you can be a blessing and love to others. I want you to see a story about an amazing man who uh, actually had great wealth, great worldly wealth, and what he felt God was telling him to do to understand that really love, love is the best currency that you have. Finally tonight, once you've made it to the big time, why would you ever want to go back down to the farm? Steve Hartman found the answer on the road. At one point, number 60, Jason Brown, was one of the best centers in the NFL. At one point, he had a five-year, $37 million contract with the St. Louis Rams. And at one point, he decided it was all meaningless and just walked away from football. My agent, you know, he told me, he said, you're making the biggest mistake of your life. And I looked right back at him. I said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. So what could possibly trump the NFL? You wouldn't believe. Jason Brown quit football to be a plain old farmer. Even though he never farmed a day in his life. How did you learn even to do what you're doing? Get on the internet. Watch YouTube videos. So you learned how to farm from YouTube? Yeah. You can still plant your crops. Thanks to YouTube and some good advice from other farmers here in Lewisburg, North Carolina. This week, Jason finished harvesting his first 
five-acre plot of sweet potatoes. When you see them pop up out of the ground, man, it's the most beautiful thing that you could ever see. He says he has never felt more successful. Not in man's standards, but in God's eyes. But God cares about the NFL. I see people praying to him on the field all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of people praying out there. But um, when, when I think about a life of, of greatness, I think about a life of, of service. Which leads us here. Which leads us here. Yes. See, his plan for this farm, which he calls First Fruits Farm, right. is to donate the first fruits of every harvest to food pantries. Today, it's all five acres, 100,000 pounds of sweet potatoes. It's unusual for a grower to grow a crop just to give away. Rebecca Page organizes food collection for the needy. And that's what Jason has done. And he's planning to do more next year. Jason has a thousand acres here, which could go a long way toward eliminating hunger in this neck of North Carolina. Love is the most wonderful currency that you can give anyone. You sure you played in the NFL? <laughs> yes. Because I feel like cuddling you right now. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Jason may have left the NFL, but apparently holding is still a penalty. <laughs> Steve Hartman on the road in Lewisburg, North Carolina. <laughs> Love is the, most, the greatest currency. Isn't that very, very cool? I mean, I think, you know, there, there's his thing. He happened to have some farmland, and he thought, you know, what can I, what's God, what God, prompted him to do was, you know, really a huge leap of faith, giving up $37 million contract, you know, that's kind of crazy, um, you know, but I really believe that that was his calling. So what is it that God's calling you to? You know, there is something. You get prompted. There's little promptings from the Holy Spirit, you know, to say, oh, I, I should do this, that small thing for that one person that I saw, or, you know, um, it's not about guilt or compulsion. It's not about you feeling guilty that you need to go and do something because somebody else did it. It's a personal thing. It's what God's prompting you to do. You know, how is he prompting you with the skills and the gifts and, the, and how you're wired to show other people that love is the greatest currency? Um, we're going to look to scriptures now about a group of people, uh, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 5. And these people are uh, the Macedonians, and they, were, uh, they came from a, a wealthy area, and yet they were in great need. And I'm going to read to you from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. Verses 1 to 5. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Now, uh, grace in this particular text actually means goodwill and loving kindness, favor. But the cool thing about it, grace in this particular uh, section of Scripture, what it actually means is that um, it's, it's this of loving kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence on these people, turns them to Christ. He keeps them and strengthens them and he increases them in Christian faith. So this, this, this particular form of the word grace in this text is actually a, like a covering on these people and a growing them up in this deep, deep faith. Deep, deep faith. Now Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians, and he's telling them about the Macedonians and this new idea of grace and how powerful it is and what can be done if you, if you believe it and, you're, and you know you're under it, this grace of God. And so he was using them as an example. He was using the Macedonians as an example to the Corinthian church. But what is kind of funny to me, because sometimes I read some of Paul's stuff and I think he's kind of arrogant. You know, there are, there are pieces of him that I think, why, you know, it, what's he doing here? Well, in this, in this case, he's actually spurring on competition. 
because the Macedonians and the Corinthians were in competition with each other. And so he's saying, hey, look, these Macedonians over here, this is what they're doing and how God has poured out his grace upon them to spur on the Corinthian church to do the same. Okay, As we learn from others and we learn from the body of believers, it does spur us on. Never out of guilt or compulsion. You shouldn't do it out of guilt or compulsion. Never do that. That's not what God wants. He wants your heart. He wants your heart to be moved by the, by the stories of others to do things lovingly that he wants you to do. So it was cool how, how uh, Paul used the Macedonian church as an example, this huge grace that was upon them. Now in verse 2 it says this, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Come on. Out of the most severe trial. Now, that, that, that part of the scripture is actually this. It's as if you were being in a wine press. Now, in a wine press, you're pressed from here, you're here, you're here, you're here. They were pressed in from every side. They were under persecution. How many of you lately feel like that? You're in under it. I confess, I, I am. Persecution, in under it, severe trial. But for these people... For the Macedonians, it came out in overflowing joy. Overflowing joy. It was because they were so deeply sitting under the grace of God because they loved and trusted him so much that they could do nothing but be, joy- be joyful. I mean, it says in Scripture we're supposed to, under trial, we're supposed to have, have joy. That's so hard, isn't it? It's so, so hard. But really what flows out of these people out of their extreme poverty, it was down to the depths poverty. I mean rock bottom. What came out of them was generosity. That kills me. That's so cool. That they would, their response was generosity. Verse 3, Paul says, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. No guilt, no guilt. Entirely because they wanted to. You couldn't hold them back. They urgently pleaded us with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. That was verse 4. Verse 5 says, And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. In keeping with God's will. It's amazing. So, so Paul was using these Macedonians as an example of this huge amount of grace that was upon them. And then they welled up to generosity. The testing was so huge as if they were in under a wine press. And the pressure they were under was harassment, harassment at the world's hand. I'm sure of, you know, that they felt harassed, and I'm sure that there have been times in our body, like, like look at you, this church, this exponentialchurch.tv, I'm sure there are times you've felt discouraged about your property. You know, things have just, had just been dragging on and dragging on and dragging on, and you're being faithful. You people are a faithful group of people. I do your bookkeeping. I see. I know that you're a faithful people. You understand that you should pour out into the ministry. You want great things to happen here. You want the love of Jesus to come to to the dying world. You have a pastor who's passionate about evangelism. It's a wonderful thing, yet you've seen great pressures. The extreme poverty that these people were is deep, deep poverty. But in James 1, 2, it says that we're to consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. You've persevered, and you are so close, you can probably taste it 
that you're going to be in that building. I've seen the pictures online where many of you have come and helped to rip things out and, and get things ready. It's, it's going to be an amazing thing. The, but the thing is not the building. The thing is the love of Jesus that you're going to show to people that walk through those walls. The ministry that's going to happen. If that building goes away, the ministry still continues. The church is the people. The love that you can pour out into these people is what it's about, that generous spirit. So the next line in your program is, am I resting in this pressure process that you are under, whatever it is personally for you? Am I resting in this pressure process or am I resisting the pressure process as it develops me? Am I resting in this pressure process or resisting in this pressure process? I confess a lot of times I'm resisting it. I'm a doer. I'm a, I'm a checklist girl. You know, it's like, well, I'll just go down this checklist and it'll all be fine. But I think right now God's telling me, you know, you've got to stop. You've got to rest. You've got to stop. Because it just wears you out. You've got to trust that God is loving and kind in that pressure process. So the Macedonian churches, they had a huge testimony that it is possible, it is possible to not merely experience joy, but to have it overflow into rich generosity. They are a big example and have a huge testimony to us. In your program, you can fill this in. Just as persecution did not take away from their joyfulness, neither did poverty diminish their ability to be generous. Persecution did not take away from their joyfulness. And neither did it did poverty diminish their ability to be generous. The Macedonians, they had an open-heartedness and an open-handedness to all that they had. How about you? If we, if we just had a different perspective, like that video said, to the things that we have, if we had an open-handedness to them to pour out resources to help the, those less fortunate, open-heartedness with possessions and an open-handedness as you pour them out. So the Macedonians, they did give beyond what they were able to, and they determined in their heart what they were supposed to give. You know, there's a scripture that says, don't do it under guilt or compulsion. And that's true. It's so true. I know that, that God wants you to be able to trust him enough that as you pour your love out, as you pour your resources out, as you pour time out, as you pour your talents out, that you will have enough for yourself, that you will have enough for yourself. But take note, they first, the Macedonians first gave to the Lord. So that means the local body where you call home. If you're a visitor here today, this is not, this is not, this is not your local body. And like, like Bill was saying about the offering, as the offering bucket comes around, no guilt or compulsion. Don't feel like you have to put something in there other than the connect card if you'd like to connect with them. If you'd like, you know, just to say, hey, I was here. I was new. Thanks for ministering to me. It's not about guilt or compulsion. But it is part of being the part of a body of Christ. I think a lot of churches don't understand that and they don't want to talk about it. But it is part about being a part of the body of Christ. In order for ministry to happen, in order for more souls to be reached, in order for you to have a building, first you must give to the Lord. The Macedonians understood that. Their first concern was how to best serve Christ. And that's wherever they served in the body of Christ. They gave to Paul what exceeded that first giving to the Lord, even knowing that they were under persecution and what they were experiencing. Generosity is God's heart for us. It is not what he wants from us. That's very important. 
It's a big difference there. It, generosity is what he wants for us because I don't know any of you who have ever poured out into another life. That when, that when that comes back to you, I mean, it's just like there's nothing like that. It just blesses you more than it blessed the person that you gave something to or that you just loved on or that you just listened to them while they cried. It's what he wants for us, not from us. God desires us to be mindful of the needs of others and to join him in providing for those as his spirit works and moves us to do that. Um, a couple years ago, I went to, uh, I wasn't going to tell you this story until that last song, but uh, God wants me to tell you. A couple years ago, I went to a conference in Florida where there were people from all over the world, and uh, I went to a, um, a pre-session that was talking about fundraising and about generosity and you know, what you should do with you know, finances in the church. And this young girl came in, and uh, she, we introduced, all, everybody introduced themselves, and here she was from Singapore. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. What's she doing here? You know, we're in Orlando, Florida. And so I went up to her at break. I said, Claudia, what are you doing here? And, and who are you and what do you do? And she said, well, my husband and I lead a church in Singapore, and we plant churches all over the place. And she says, we plant them in Vietnam and my home country of Singapore and in China. And she said, it's really easy to plant in China. And she said, and, but it's really difficult to plant in my own country. Singapore and I said well why is that and she said well it's most difficult there because they're wealthy I said really that's interesting and then she said to me she goes "Uh, I just need to know something from you Colleen she goes how is the church in your country and I kind of didn't know how to respond to that and I said well there are pockets of it that are good I said but you're not going to really hear about it in our media and then she said this to me. She goes, Colin, you don't understand. My country, Singapore, looks to your country for spiritual leadership. And then my heart broke because we're missing the mark. We're not being the loud voice of the love of Jesus Christ like we should be. If everybody that sat in a pew today just loved the unlovable, That would impact Singapore. So I know that the key is generosity. Generosity in your resources. Generosity in your love for others. Generosity of your time and your talents. Every one of us, not just the pastor, not just the worship leader, not just the worship team, Every one of us, it's our role because Singapore is watching. The world is watching for us to have spiritual leadership. So it's on us. It's on us. And in Matthew 25, this is in the uh, message, it says this. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those who heard this said, What are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then they were told, I tell you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored. That was me. 
you did it to me. Love, the greatest currency. I'm going to end with this video uh, that I found very moving by an unusual place, by an unusual person. It was a speech that was done in 2006 by Bono at the National Prayer Breakfast, talking about how we can impact the world with love through generosity. May God bless you all. I'd like to talk about the, uh, the laws of man here in this city where those laws are written. And I'd like to talk about higher laws. It would be great to assume that one serves the other, that the laws of man serve these higher laws, but of course they don't always. And I presume that, in a way, is why you're all here. It's not a coincidence that in the scriptures, poverty is mentioned more than 2,100 times. It's not an accident. It's a lot of airtime. As you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. As I say, good news to the poor. God may well be with us in our mansions on the hill. I hope so. He may well be with us in all manner of controversial stuff. Maybe, maybe not. But the one thing we can all agree, all faiths, all ideologies, is that God is with the vulnerable and the poor. God is in the slums, in the cardboard boxes where the poor play house. God is in the silence of a mother who has infected her child with a virus that will end both their lives. God is in the cries heard under the rubble of war. God is in the debris of wasted opportunity and lives. And God is with us if we are with them. A number of years ago, I met a wise man who changed my life um, in countless ways, big and small. I was always seeking the Lord's blessing. I'd be saying, look, I've got a new song. <laughs> Would you look after? I have a family. I'm going away on tour. Please look after them. And this wise man asked me to stop. He said, stop asking God to bless what you're doing. Get involved in what God is doing because it's already blessed. Will you join me in prayer this morning? Dear Jesus, we just give you thanks that you truly did give it all for us. And so this morning, as we think about this, this idea of generosity and about giving of ourselves, I pray that we just, like the Macedonians, hold nothing back, regardless of the pressures we face, that we just fully and freely give our lives for the sake of, of everything you've done for us. And those moments, so this week, for example, we've just been thinking about thankfulness because of Thanksgiving and and we're getting to Christmas where it's an easy time to be giving just because that's the spirit of things around us. But I pray, Jesus, that as a church, as exponential church, we can be exponentially generous, that we can be exponentially marked by your grace and love to those around us so that when people come into encounter with any one of us sitting here, they know that you are good and you love them and you have a bigger plan for their life than they could ever imagine. So we just pray these things. We just pray, hoping that you will just continue to move us in a mighty direction to see your kingdom come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.